Hey guys, this is Sam Hunter. Welcome to the Sam Hunter Podcast, where we discuss all things hunting, trapping, and fishing. Hey, Sky, welcome to the Sam Hunter Podcast. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm glad it worked. I I really quick typed it into my laptop because I'd prefer that than my phone. So. Oh, awesome. Glad that worked. And um, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for our listeners today? Um, my name is Sky Good from Wisconsin. Awesome. And be sure to follow her on Instagram, um, S-K-Y-E underscore G-O-O-D-E. Uh, you can see a lot of her trapping uh, photos and trapping journey there. And I just want to start with um, what got you into trapping? Oh, goodness. So um, I come from, you know, I'm from a small town in central Wisconsin. So hunting, trapping, fishing is sort of just a way of life. Right. Um, so uncles and cousins and, and everyone grew up hunting and um, trapping muskrat, raccoon. So I you know, it's not strange for me to see pelts drying in the basement at Christmas time. But what got me into trapping is um, I used to love to bow hunt. I mean, I still do, but um, a little bit less now that I'm a trapper. But um, I was bow hunting one November and I shot a buck at night um, and it was kind of a far back shot. So I let him sit overnight and I went and tracked it to recover it in the morning. Um, and when I recovered the buck, it was, there was no meat left. It was pretty much eaten by coyotes. Um, wow. and so I kind of was very vengeful and I was like, I am so mad. I was a single mom <laughs> and that was like literally grocery shopping. I was really upset right. about that. So I, I kind of started, um, complaining and a friend of mine said, well, why don't you try to trap those coyotes? And, and that's kind of how I got started in it. Wow. Well, that's, that's a, you know, a rush of a way to get started. I know um, it's not really the same way I got started, but I did have a similar situation this past season where I had shot a doe with a bow um, in the yard and in the morning it wasn't all gone because it wasn't coyotes, but a fox had started on it. Okay. Ended up catching that fox later in a a foothold trap. So I know how that can be. However, I'm sure if it was coyotes, just like in your situation, that thing would have been gone. And it does become a little bit personal when that's you know one of the ways you're providing food for your family yeah Um, but tell us also because I know you have a sponsor Southern Snares and Supply tell us Uh a little bit about that that relationship how that started um, and pretty much your role in that sponsorship um well I met Brian McKee um on through Facebook and um I guess he just basically was interested in like expanding his product through the, in the winter, like um, in a cold, like a cold weather state. Um, So being in Georgia, he was like, well, I know everything works great down here in the Georgia heat, but what about everywhere else? And this was when he was first starting his company and, you know, he wanted to be a national company, not just a Georgia company. So um, right. so yeah, he just kind of connected and we, we clicked right away on Facebook and he sent me like very, um, basic supply list and, um, I, yeah, I don't even, I can't even count how many years it's been now that, <laughs> um, I've been using everything of his from baits, lures to, um, snares and all the supplies and tools in between. So that's kind of how it started as he wa- was wanting to expand to 
to make sure that his product wasn't specific to just his region. Wow, that's awesome. So you can order different lures, baits, traps, snares, everything from his company? Yeah, yep. He's a full supplier. He is um, former law enforcement, so he is very much into survival, um, you know, that that kind of trapping, snaring, and everything, too. Um, I think right. maybe one of the best things about Brian is he is so well-versed on the laws and regulations of every state. Now, he doesn't have every state memorized, obviously, but he um, Wisconsin has very tough regulations and I bet you they are completely opposite of Georgia's. Like they're just, it's like two different worlds when it comes to trapping and everything. So, um, he, and I think he's originally from Idaho. So he, he's okay. just very well versed in every region and all the differences. So he will make sure to check the regulations of each state, you know, three, four times before he, um, you know, let someone know if his product is legal there. And if not, he'll tweak it to fit the regulations. So that's one thing I really admire about him. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's great that he does that because I know some people probably, especially people just getting into trapping would probably have no idea what is or isn't legal and they may just order something. Yes. Um, and especially know, trouble, but it's good that he, he looks out for that. Yeah. And like Wisconsin, you know, our regulations compared to the four states that surround us, like Minnesota or Michigan, for example, they are so relaxed on their regs. So someone might be over at the Minnesota State Trappers Convention, you know, if they live on the Wisconsin border and buy a whole bunch of supplies. And as soon as they bring it back here, it's not legal. And so that gets a lot of people in trouble. So. Right. Um, and as far as the species you catch, uh, what are the most rewarding species for you to catch? Maybe your top two or three that you find the mm. most rewarding to catch? Well, I always, like if I say, you know, we could only trap one species, it would just be coyotes. I just love coyotes. I'm always so obsessed with um, finding more, more coyote land to trap. And every time I catch a coyote, I'm just as excited as the first. Um, so I love coyotes. It's, it is rewarding, you know, um, in the same sense, but I also really like Fisher. We have Fisher here. We're only allowed one tag every other year. Um, but trapping Fisher makes me feel like a Northern Canada mountain man type of thing. <laughs> like it's a little bit different than just throwing a dirt hole. I mean, even though I usually fill a lot of Fisher tags just on a coyote set, but, um, so coyote, but then I also love skunks just because I utilize the skunk like every part of it. So not only trapping them, but just dispatching and like using all the parts of the skunk. It's very rewarding to be able to do that. So. Right. And I'm glad you brought up skunks because um, a couple episodes ago, we had another trapper, Steve Wright, on the show. And he's also big into the coyote trapping, but he mentioned skunks and I forgot to ask him. How do you handle when you catch a skunk not getting sprayed? Mm -hmm. You know, what's your uh, routine and making sure that doesn't happen when you're. Yeah. So every year at the Wisconsin um, State Trappers Convention that we have in September in Marshfield, I always give my demo on trapping skunks and dispatching skunks. So I feel like it's going to sound like right. a, a, a script I'm reading off of. I've just given this, this advice <laughs> to so many people, but. Um, so skunks are very social animals. That's why you see a lot of domesticated skunks, um, you know, through exotic breeders. They're very social. And so it sounds completely ridiculous. But when you have a skunk in a trap, um, walking up very slowly with a high pitched voice as if you're talking to a puppy, um, 
you'll see their demeanor right. completely change. They stop doing the defense and they're more curious. They'll lift their head up. They'll be more relaxed. Huh. Um, so that's the very first step in dispatching a skunk is don't be, you know, fumbling around and, and acting like you're a threat. Um, I often just get down on my knees, right. like kneel down and just let the skunk relax and kind of sniff me or whatever. Um, but then I have a skunk dispatch pole. So you can buy like, a, you know, I think there's one, um, some outdoor supply company makes like a real fancy one. I just have a paint rollers um, stick, <laughs> um, broomstick type thing. Um, and on the end of it, I have a, uh, I think it's called Barker's um, skunk dispatch, but it's basically like the male and female uh, plumbing parts screwed together. So, um, and I use a, a syringe that you can get from any like farm supply store that farmers administer meds to their cattle. So um, usually like a, I think it's a 12 gauge needle. Um, and then you put 12 cc's or milliliters of acetone um, in the syringe. And okay. when you read trapping books or even the veterinary books, they do say three cc's is enough. But I I don't know. You Sometimes you might miss the spot or you might drip some or the skunk might pull back. So I fill the syringe up with 12 um, or as much as it'll hold just why better safe than sorry kind of thing um and right. so yeah so that's it so having that full of acetone and then you're going up to the skunk very calmly um and then for some reason their instinct when you put the needle so, so you're basically going to aim the needle as if you were shooting a deer so right behind that shoulder blade okay. um if you can get them to step forward right. that's even better you can even tickle their armpit with that syringe and they'll lift their arm um up because it's annoying and uh, for some reason, though, because again, these are like hypodermic, um, you know, brand new needles. So it's completely sharp. They can't even feel it. Um, and when you start to press the needle into there to their rib cage, because you're aiming for the heart lung area, um, they automatically put their weight on it. Like they, they lean into it. So um, they kind of actually depress the syringe, or the plunger themselves. Um, and what is amazing, and again, this is approved by the American Med Medical Veterinary Association, the AMVA. There's a whole report out there about injection as a means for dispatch. And it's been proven that it's faster than drowning, blunt force trauma, and even gunshot um, when done correctly. So, wow. you know, you can't be injecting just any random household solutions. It's got to be humane and ethical. So using acetone or um, any, you know, if you, I don't know, if you had access to what the veterinaries um, euthanize with, but anyway, so then once you depress that into their heart lung area, it literally the next breath they take, they, they collapse, they fall flat on their face because it stops their heart immediately. So, um, and then they don't spray because they're, like I said, it's an instantaneous death. So it's actually very satisfying to know that you're dispatching an animal, we like, um, quick, clean, ethical, humane. So, um, and then no spray. Right. And I'm glad that you bring that up because I, I feel like one thing that a lot of society um, doesn't quite understand is that trappers and hunters are very concerned with making sure uh, that their mm -hmm. kills are ethical, um, not causing pain to the animal. So I'm mm -hmm. glad that you bring that up as well. Yeah, that's, I'm a big proponent yeah. of like all the offset laminated, fully modified traps for that reason. Um, and that's, you know, when I make different hand in, in trap videos and all that, that's kind of my main goal to show. Right. And I do have to ask before you, um, 
learned this. Was there ever a time where you did get sprayed with the spray um, early on? I, well, not necessarily sprayed, but I remember one time not paying attention to wind direction and I had shot a skunk. Um, and yeah, of course they spray because they spray almost every time you shoot them. And I was downwind. So that was, <laughs> right. uh, that was before I was even trapping coyotes. <laughs> I think I had like a live trap in the barn because the uh, raccoons were like defecating all over the cattle hay or whatever. So I was trying to trap the raccoons, got a skunk, had no idea what to do and shot it. And I was downwind. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, as far as, you know, I want to touch on importance of teaching trapping to the next generation, uh, you know, letting kids learn about trapping. And I remember one time in a trapping group, you had posted a photo where I believe mm, you were at an yep. elementary school and you had um, different pelts, furs laid out. The kids were getting to touch the furs and you were teaching them about trapping. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. And um, I would love it if something like that came through you know, my kids elementary school, so they could learn about that. So what was the situation there? Do you go to a lot of different elementary? Wow, that is really funny. You should say that. So I, yeah, I've been doing um, the elementary school thing for quite a while. Um, any basically any teacher or anyone that reaches out, I'll say yes, you know, as long as it's within the state. Um, and usually it's always in that February timeframe, because that's when the curriculum is teaching about the fur trade and the explorers. Um, so they kind of okay. mirror with that with, with that area so it's usually in february um the most recent one i did at my local elementary school this so just a couple months ago um they had posted it on facebook you know the the kids um getting to see the presentation and some anti-hunting group in wisconsin got a hold of it and blasted out the school's info saying how dare they teach this to our kids and the school's Facebook page wow. actually got shut down temporarily because it got so overloaded. And they had looked up at the directory to find the school principal email address and phone. They blasted it out. What they didn't know is our school principal's husband is a taxidermist and a trapper and hunter himself. <laughs> and the school principal, right. <laughs> she loves to hunt and her kids love to hunt and trap. So it was a complete backfire because... Um, they had contact, she called me on like a Saturday night, you know, because she wanted to make sure she got a hold of me and said, like, we love what you do. This will not change. We'll still have you coming back. We're just going to have to change our security settings on our Facebook page. But um, so, yeah, the kids, right. oh, my gosh. So the fourth graders are my absolute favorite grade to do a presentation for. Um, I've done like kindergarten classes and it's just chaos. Um, or I've taught the high schoolers and they kind of have, they're very interested, but they kind of have like an attitude, a chip on their shoulder. They don't want to show how cool it is, you know, like how interested they are. So the fourth right. graders are my favorite, but, um, they have the wildest stories, right? Like every single one of them has had a raccoon in the attic or a, their dog sprayed by a skunk or whatever. <laughs> um, so, but they right. love to learn about all the different animals. We kind of do a little quiz like what is this animal and then they shout out their guesses and we talk about what it eats what eats it where they live and what how we use the fur um and then afterwards they come through like a, a lunch line and they get to touch all the different furs and they're so excited about you know the claws and how soft this one is and how like you know just all the different textures and everything so 
Um, and the teachers always give me feedback right. that for months afterwards, they're always talking about the fur presentations. So it's, yeah, definitely one of my favorite things to do. Right. That sounds awesome. I mean, I know um, when I was in elementary school, we went to different, you know, zoos and game ranches and things like that. Yep. And those were always the days I remembered. But I know if somebody had come in and presented on furs and the fur mm -hmm. trade, I would have been so interested. So I think that's awesome that you're out there doing that. Um, and as far as, you know, we talked a little bit, well, you even mentioned how they had shut down their Facebook page because of the uh, pushback on that a little bit. So I do want to ask, um, as far as, you know, educating society and uh, just on the ethics of trapping and also, um, you know, even for, for everyone, there's a certain part of society that doesn't mm -hmm. understand trapping and maybe looks down on it. Uh, but what I've found is, it seems like for women and trapping and hunting, mm -hmm. there's even more pressure and I don't think it's fair. And so I wanted to touch on that because, uh, you know, my wife is pregnant. I have two oh, sons okay. and we're about to have our first daughter and yeah. And I, I'm just excited to take her, you know, hunting, trapping, fishing, all those things that I'm going to do with my sons. I'm excited to do that as well. Um, my wife and I were watching a show on Netflix or something. I don't remember what it was on, but it was about in particular, women hunters and trappers and i thought oh this looks interesting so we watched it and pretty quickly what it was trying to show is the amount of um you know mm -hmm. hate and just uh that that these women were getting and i just thought it was ridiculous but what what was ironic to me was a lot of the women that were attacking these women who hunt are women who um you know obviously support women having the same yeah. opportunities as, as men which they should so what is with that hypocrisy and have you ever dealt with any of this personally? Have you seen friends mm -hmm. of yours that have dealt with it? And what is your take well, on it? Well, yeah, I've definitely, I've dealt with it since the second I got a social media account, really, um, because I don't do anything in life. I have kids, I have a job, but my I don't have hobbies outside of hunting, trapping, um, outdoors. So anything I'm going to post is going to be related to something usually a, you know an animal I harvested you know so um yeah it's definitely right. prevalent I mean what I think the reason for is women are obviously in our society are seen as um the weaker or inferior um gender so therefore it seems like an easier bully tactic I mean when the antis attack me um like I said there can be a post on some big website and they'll have you know, 500 guys behind a, a bear. Um, and then one woman posts a picture of her behind a bear. And that photo is used in a propaganda poster or shared. And she's the one that gets all the death threats. So um, I think it's just because of that weaker sex mentality. Um, I, you know, my advice to any, any woman that's experienced, or even man, you know, it's experiencing that kind of backlash is, your reaction is what they're looking for. Um, and so I always, I almost encourage them to use me because every time that an, ant an animal rights group, for example, shares like my hat business, they think that that is a bully tactic, but my business soars, my orders soar. <laughs> you know, everything increases. My, right. my popularity, right. I guess, would increase. More traffic to my pages means more people being educated about trapping and hunting. So it, it's it's a complete, um, 
I, like I said, I encourage it, embrace it, because if you spin it in a different light, you realize any publicity is good publicity, right? So uh, the more that they're going to share right. encouraging their followers to send death threats or whatever, it's actually going to be better for hunting and trapping. And I know some of the old timers were against that, right? Don't show incidentals. Um, don't show blood. Don't, you know, we still kind of follow that that ethical posting when it comes to social media but i have heard more backlash from hunters about my pictures and videos than antis um and i really don't agree with it because wow. you know when someone doesn't understand something and they don't have proof or evidence they're going to conjure up something crazy in their mind because of their imagination um so that is where we have those phrases right. like animals to their leg off or traps break bones or all these other, you know, quote unquote, like propaganda phrases. Whereas if you watch my video and you see, wow, there's no blood, there's no broken bones. The animal's not even, the, she released it. It's not even limping or, oh, her, her own hand is in the trap. There is no room for that imagination to wander. Um, so I, I wish more would embrace using right. social media as an education piece, you know? Um, yeah, the 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 whole right. um, female hunter. I mean, you remember as it was a Kendall Jones that she posted a picture of was it a lion that she harvested? And I mean, for years and years so, and years, yeah. we have you know trophy hunters that went over on safari and and men that post pictures of lion. Nobody cares. And then all of a sudden, Kendall, poor girl. I mean, she wasn't expecting that to happen. Um, right. So it, it kind of it just is what it is, though. I mean, you're a beautiful woman behind a lion is going to get a lot more attention than some guy. You know, it's just kind of it comes with it. So. Right. Absolutely. And what I've kind of found, I mean, I don't have stats on this, but just from what I've seen in general, it seems like most people in society, um, yeah. for the most part, accepting of fishing. The three things we talk about on this podcast are hunting, trapping, and fishing. And what I found is that fishing is at the top of the ladder where most people are okay with it. And then it goes down to hunting somewhere in the middle there. You know, some people are, some people aren't. For the most part, um, people don't seem to mind. Even if they're not into hunting, mm -hmm. they at least support somebody's right to hunt for the most part. Um, trapping is more at the bottom of that scale mm -hmm. where more people have questions of ethics. So, you know, being someone who has even educated kids on this, for our listeners who may be yep. on the fence, because I do have a lot of listeners who love fishing or maybe okay with hunting, but they're not sure about trapping. Um, what would you sort of say to sort of educate them yeah. on, you know, the modern traps nowadays where, because when I mentioned, when I first got into trapping, people said, oh no, what if you accidentally step in and the spikes <laughs> yep. go through your foot? Yep. I said, what spikes? Yep. You know, what kind of trap? Yeah, you, you're exactly see? right. So the fourth graders, right? They have no filter on their mouth and bless their heart. They're the most honest people. On <laughs> so I get all those same questions. How do you dispatch? Why? What if it breaks their leg? What all these things. So what I kind of go through and that's with anyone on the fence is to please clear your mind of trapping as you know, as you knew it before uh, the last two decades, because it is, you know, we're not going to sugarcoat anything. Right. Back in the 1800s, they didn't care about being humane. They were trying to survive. So, I mean, the traps that we know, yes, they did right. cut into feet. They did hurt animals. And even in the 80s or so, the when the fur market was huge, um, we didn't have those those modifications and we didn't care about humaneness. So, yes, there the traps that were used did not have, you know, extra swivels or laminations or all these other things. So, I I think for anyone that 
says, okay, I don't agree with trapping. And I say, why? And they say, because of X, Y, Z. And I say, where did you learn that or see that? I can guarantee that it's going to be from years ago in a magazine or on a TV show or their grandpa and how they hunted or trapped. So if they can, if people can just have an open mind and look at what we're looking at right now in the year 2020, um, look at the videos where I'm putting my hand in the exact trap that I'm catching the coyotes in. I'm releasing bobcats, no editing, no takes on the video that shows that their feet are fine, you know, um, and then just explaining to people, right. especially in the trap red classes, um, there's been a big push lately to have trap red 100% online before the COVID thing, um, having trap red education 100% online. Right. And I was not in agreement with it, but we kind of compromised and said, well, let's make detailed videos explaining to people what laminations are and why it's important, explaining why offset jaws are important. Um, and so by doing all this, I hope that we're going to educate the next generation so that 40 years from now, when you interview those people that are teenagers right now, they're not going to have that same um, con like myth in their head about trapping that people have right now, if that makes sense. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's that sounds like a great plan. And um, I think that's a great way to educate society and get mm -hmm. the word out a little bit about how things have changed. Because I mean, if uh, we're looking at like firearms, set. you know, if we were um, all running around with muskets right now, shooting deer, like I mean, someone would be like, that's so inhumane. Well, we're right. not, we have, we have good weapons, you know? So it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got to change with it. So I think right. just, yeah, changing one person at a time. I guess. Absolutely. Now I want, I want to close the show out with you giving us a walkthrough <laughs> of your most memorable catch that you've ever made in trapping. But before we even get there, um, I want to touch on this. Another question that I had asked, um, and I like to get different trappers opinions on it because everybody has different experiences. For me, my biggest challenge in trapping so far, I've caught possum, fox. Uh, my biggest challenge in getting a coyote, because that's one thing I've not done yet, and that's my biggest goal in trapping itself is to get a coyote. Um, and my biggest problem is when I check the trail cams, even when the coyotes come, the thing that gets there first almost every time, <laughs> if it's not a fox, it's a possum or sometimes raccoons. But, you know, I wish I could come up with an invention. Who knows? Maybe someday where there's some kind of lure that something about it just repels <laughs> possums i don't know but is there anything you can do to when you're targeting coyotes or another species uh anything you can put around the set that might deter yep so your guys' I mean, possums is our skunks or raccoons so we have very limited possum but you know just just as much for skunks so but they're all basically the same critter um so what i what i would suggest is forgetting that you're trying to attract um or you're you know that the possum is attracted that you're trying to deter them it's I, what I always tell people is just use urine, just urine, because nothing else cares about urine except for that animal that, you know, a, a, a skunk or a possum, they don't care about plain urine. They're looking for food. Um, but a coyote is not going to go through that field uh, and smell another animal's urine and not come check it out. So that's really the only way to be very target specific is using even a gland lure could attract because it's a curiosity right. thing. Uh, but when you watch a possum go through the field, he's not stopping right. at every tuft of grass to smell it. 
but you watch a fox or a coyote and they are, and all they're doing is smelling urine from the last animal that went through there. So all I can suggest. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, right. So just mainly, you know, in a high, yep. highly trafficked, you know, possum area to just use. Yep. Uh, or even just, yeah, a pile. My, my favorite secret weapon is like to that. gather up sandwich bags of coyote scat from other properties and mix them, intermix them on different properties. And it's the right. most amazing visual and scent attract. You don't need anything else, really. Right. Because they see that scat yep. and they know it's from a different coyote and so they figure yep. well that's an intruder yeah and they don't ever coyote bobcat so, or fox okay, awesome. never randomly um deposit their scat anywhere they're not like a dog on a walk on the sidewalk and they just choose when they want to go like they're saving that for a specific spot that's why um trappers will have fox scat on their flipped over trap or on their backing <laughs> you know so it is like a very powerful tool right. that they're holding on to until they want to deposit it in a certain spot so they're looking for it right <laughs> well we've learned a lot of incredible information today and in closing um i know there are certain moments like for me there's certain hunts like my first deer or getting that first fox where the whole day is kind of ingrained in my memory and you know every little detail i can see it in my head vividly i remember you know what i used or or how the day went um what was the most memorable day for you in trapping and kind of give us a walkthrough of that you know what animal it was uh what you're oh my gosh that is such an easy one that so that day. is um actually it just happened december 17th of this last year 2019 <laughs> um i caught what uh, i a oh, wow. female bobcat that I named Teddy Bear. Um, definitely hands down the most accomplished catch that I've ever had in my life. Um, this was a bobcat that I targeted um, for a couple seasons. And she was just sort of fat and stumpy. So she avoided every set I could possibly make, whether it was a dirt hole, a blind set, um, cubbies, you know, uh, well, we call snares cable restraints here, but a snare set, um, everything because she wasn't the right height for what you would normally set. Her legs were so short, you would have to, you know, put the trap like an inch from the backing or whatever. She just, she didn't follow the script like she was supposed to. Right. Um, and I, she was on every trail <laughs> camera, every, her tracks after every fresh snowfall, her track, like I could tell her tracks because they were only a half an inch apart, you know? Um, and yeah, I just, I became so obsessed. I was patterning. I was writing down every date that I saw her track. I saw her on trail camera, um, just trying to pattern her for two years. And finally, um, I noticed that the December before December of 18, she in December, like the breeding season, she would come into the area, um, at least once a week in the month of December. So when December came by, and I, I kid you not, every day that I went to check traps, I placed five more sets. So by December 17th, I had, I don't know, like 40 wow. sets within like a 200 yard area. <laughs> I was so, um, you know, I trapped public land. Wow. And so it wasn't, it's not like I could go to her. I had to wait for her to come to me um, and just obsessed. And finally, uh, December 17th, I was checking traps at 10 in the morning and I happened to go over the ridge and I had caught her um, in a cable restraint. And again, she was so not following the script I, that she actually slipped her front feet 
through it. Um, and I caught her by the body. So she was just a few inches from escaping again. And our bobcat season ends the last day of December. So I had like wow. 11 days or whatever to catch her. Um, and when I, yeah, I immediately knew it was her. She's just very distinctive, very old bobcat. And I knew her, it's like I memorized every spot on her body. And I, um, I, I just, I started hyperventilating and I was about to pass out. Like it was the most, I don't know. I, I don't think I br like breathed for 10 minutes. It was so surreal. Um, right. and yeah, it'll just always be the most right. like, it, it's just when you're, it's like, I've never shot a really big buck, but I imagine it's the same, like chasing the same deer for two or three years, like, like thinking about that animal when you're going to bed right. and, you know, just being obsessed. And then it's finally over. And I almost had this sense of sadness, like, oh, it's over, you know? Right. Now, a lot of people um, talk about the, you know, the craftiness and the um, slyness of foxes and coyotes. Um, but you know, it, you don't really hear about it as much with bobcats. And it sounds like this bobcat was ahead of the game of even coyotes. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, but I don't even know because I really think that it, it, it was, and I do know it, it was me. I was trying to trap how I've always trapped before. And she, I had trail cam videos of, I had like a dirt hole set with, um, gator oil on it. And she didn't come around to where the trap was. She would go up on top of the backing and roll all over. Like she didn't know there was a trap there. She was just rolling. She wanted that gator oil wow. on her and she was actually right. kind of playful playing with leaves or whatever. So it was all human error. Like I was trying to be so careful that I, I, I just almost ruined my own confidence with trapping in that moment. You know, like what I would have some sets that had three, four right. traps at it. And she would still step on the levers of each one or whatever. <laughs> she didn't know the traps were there. It just, it just, wow. the of it, so. right. And when you first walked up on that Bobcat, yep. did you know immediately when you yep. saw it? From yep. Distance, I just knew it. And she doesn't, when anyone else looks it. at her, but I had memorized every tuft of hair off of her face. Um, like I said, stumpy legs. And I just knew and every single bob, I've caught a lot of bobcats in my lifetime, and every single one is usually jumping, hissing at me, growling, scratch, like everything, right? She was sitting on her butt. She's just sitting right. there looking at me. She didn't even right. snarl. She didn't try to get away. She just <laughs> sat there and was just looking at me like a house cat. Like, it was this very surreal, like, you got me. Like, you, <laughs> you know, okay, alpha female, here you go. <laughs> right. <laughs> Now, are you yeah, um, going to have this yep. cat? No, I have her in the freezer. Um, I had to get her registered. And then this whole COVID thing, I didn't want to risk shipping her if I didn't know if the shipping stuff was going to be shut down. Um, but I am going to send her to um, Amy Carter over in North Carolina. Right. She does, she's done a bobcat and a fox for me, and she does such a good job. Um, so, yeah, full body melt for sure. And pff, I don't oh, even awesome. know. I probably have all the trail cam pictures, everything. I'll probably have a little shrine to her on my wall. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Sure. Well, hey, you got to post that on your Definitely. Instagram once you yeah. get that so our listeners can take a look at it. Well, Sky, thank you so much for coming on the Sam Hunter podcast today. We enjoyed having you on, and I know. Thank you so much for having me, Sam. So thank you again. All right. Bye bye. Thank you. Talk to you. Soon. 
Hey everyone, thanks for joining us on the Sam Hunter Podcast today, where we discuss all things hunting, trapping, and fishing. We had a great time today talking with Sky Good, the barefoot trapper. We heard a lot of great stories in trapping. We even heard of an epic bobcat catch story. We did hear of some of the struggles that women hunters and trappers have to endure today. And we heard about the importance of educating our youth about trapping. Thank you so much and join us for the next episode of the Sam Hunter Podcast. We'll see you there.